afternoon and welcome to our BMI Sunday Online Fellowship. And thank you for joining us today. Let's begin with a word of prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, we do thank you so much again for another Sabbath day that you've given to us. We thank you for the uh, wonderful privilege we have of setting aside time to uh, investigate your word in our relationship with you. And we pray for your blessing upon each aspect of our fellowship today, upon this Bible study, the hymns, the questions and answers, and also the, the Bible reading later this evening. And we are so thankful for your word, most of all. Father, that you in your divine wisdom have given us this wonderful book, uh, which is your word, uh, completely inspired by you, written by you. And it, it is indeed the patience and comfort of the scriptures that uh, we can uh, cling to. Uh, indeed, it is our very life. And so we again ask for your blessing upon our time together, upon each person or family that might be listening or watching. And we pray that all things might be done decently and in order. In Jesus' name, amen. This is going to be the Lamb Slain, part 23. And today's date is June 16th, 2019. We have begun looking at this very mysterious priest Melchizedek that we find in both the Old and New Testaments. And today we want to continue that study. And we have been focusing primarily on uh, Hebrews 7 verse 3, which I'll read. Hebrews 7 verse 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. And we're down to this uh, last uh, phrase, abideth a priest continually, which consists of four Greek words. Abideth is 3306. A priest is 2409. And a continually is made up of a preposition in the main word, which is 1319. But let's begin by looking at this word abideth, 3306. It's used about 120 times uh, in the New Testament, and we find it translated predominantly as abide. However, to a lesser degree, it's rendered as remain, dwell, continue, tarry, and endure, etc. So we want to look at a few uh, citations where God employs this uh, term. And the first one we can look at is actually in the same chapter. It's in verse 24 uh, of Hebrews 7, Hebrews 7, 24. But this man, uh, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. And here uh, it's continueth, uh, which is how it's translated. And, you know, curiously, this ever is actually forever. It's uh, two words, the preposition and this word having to do with uh, age or uh, uh, eternity. We can also go to John 3.36. John 3.36. We read there. <clears throat> 
He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And here it's abideth. And of course, today we are living uh, in this uh, time of judgment, this day of judgment, and the wrath of God is abiding on all who are unsaved, the vast majority of mankind alive today. If we go to John 6, 27, a couple chapters further, uh, we read there, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Uh, here, uh, this word meno thirty three zero six is translated as endureth, and of course, the meat that is in view is the Word of God. is is the meat of the Word, and uh, let's uh, go to Hebrews thirteen fourteen next. Hebrews thirteen verse fourteen, and here again, it's rendered as continuing. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And then uh, we can go to 1 Peter 1, 23 and 25. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Uh, verse 24, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of, Je of, of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So in verse 23, it's abideth, and in verse 25, it's endureth. Let's go then to... Uh, the next uh, word in our phrase, abideth the priest continually. And uh, this is Strong's number 2409. We've actually uh, already encountered uh, this word, a priest, uh, in part 22 in a number of references, but I think they really uh, bear repeating because of the connection uh, between the, the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of the fact that it's it's connected, he's spoken of uh, numerous times in connection with this phrase uh, after the order of Melchizedek, uh, which is very significant. But this word priest, 2409, is actually derived from a root word, and that root word is translated as holy. Uh, in a couple of places only, and it's 2413. Uh, one of those places we find in 1 Corinthians 9.13. 1 Corinthians 9.13, we read there, Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. So here it's about holy things. Again, this is the root word for priest. Uh, similarly, we can go to 2 Timothy 
3.15, again, a very uh, familiar passage. Paul is is speaking to Timothy, his protege in the historical context, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And here again, it's the word the holy, of course, referring to the the scriptures to the word of God. Now, as I said, and I think it bears repeating, let's look at some of these other passages where we find this word, the same word priest, 2409, uh, in connection with Melchizedek. Uh, the first one is Hebrews 5, 6, and this is a quoting Psalm 110, verse 4, Hebrews 5, 6, as he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, then we can go to Hebrews 7, which, as I mentioned last time, is the New Testament chapter that has the most amount of information regarding Melchizedek in the New Testament. And we want to take a look at verses 1 11, 15, 17, 21, and 23. So let's begin with verse 1 of Hebrews 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Uh, Then going down to verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Uh, Then verse 15, And it is yet far more evident, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. Uh, Verse 17, For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Again, repeating Psalm 110, verse 4. Uh, Then we can go to verse 21. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath, by him that said unto him, The Lord or the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So the third time we find this reference to Psalm 110, verse 4. And then lastly, uh, verse 23, For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath, which was uh, since or with, actually with the law, I think is a better translation, maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. And here again, we see the, the tie-in, the oath that God made to the Lord Jesus Christ, because the oath really 
was spoken to him first. And of course, we know that this took place at the foundation of the world because of the fact that it was there that Christ made atonement for all the sins of the elect, all within the body of Christ. Now, if we go back to um, Hebrews 7.1, go to Hebrews 7.1, we read there, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Uh, it's, it's important that we recognize that only God can confer blessing. And that blessing, regardless of whether it's physical or spiritual, ultimately, it comes from God himself. He is the, uh, the author of all blessing. Everything comes from his hand, so to speak. Uh, and of course, we read about this very uh, clearly in the book of James, in James 1, 17. James 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And we also understand that the blessing in the final analysis has to do with salvation. Uh, if we go to Psalm 133, verse 3, Psalm 133, verse 3, we read there, As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there Jehovah commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And of course, that word dew, it's actually in italics, but uh, it's used in scripture. Obviously, it's water, but it it's, uh, it's also refers to doctrine uh, as well. And doctrine has to do with the word of God. So we acknowledge that Melchizedek is not an ordinary man, uh, as in Hebrews 7, 1 sets forth, because Abraham, who could be greater than Abraham? He was the progenitor of the nation of Israel. He's called the father of a multitude. He's also a spiritually the, the figurehead, along with Sarah, of the, the elect, because they represent the kingdom of God or the word of God. And it's by the word of God, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Uh, as we uh, learn from uh, Romans 10, 17, he's being contrasted with Melchizedek in Hebrews 7, 1, who is referred to as the priest of the most high God. So is it any wonder uh, when we read in Hebrews 7, 7, for example, let's, let's go back there. Hebrews 7, verse 7, and without all contradiction, the less, and this would be Abraham, is blessed, remember only God can confer blessing, is blessed of the better. And here the better would refer to uh, Melchizedek. And of course, he's coming out with bread and wine. And bread, of course, as I mentioned previously, has to do with the Word of God. 
wine has to do with the gospel, with the blood of Christ or the life of Christ. The life of the flesh is in the blood as we read in Leviticus 17, 11. And that is the, the basis for the atonement that Christ accomplished at the foundation of the world. He gave up his life. Uh, he had to be annihilated. And then wonderfully, he rose from the ashes of that annihilation, so to speak, to indicate that he had secured the salvation of all the elect, that uh, they were now within the body of Christ. And it was just a matter of time, a long period of time, in fact, 13,023 years during which God would very patiently in every generation be saving those elect, be applying the life of Christ, the blood of Christ, as it were, to those individuals at some point in their lifetime. And then on May 21, 2011, that beautiful temple, which had been 13,023 years in building, came to completion as that last brick was put into place. And it was done. It was completed. Now, we can also compare Hebrews 7, 1 with Genesis 14, 18 because of the fact that the latter, Genesis 14, 18, is being quoted in Hebrews 7, 1. I'll read it again, Hebrews 7, 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Then we'll go to Genesis 14, 18. Genesis 14, 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Uh, what I'd like to draw your attention to this word uh, in uh, Genesis 14, 18, of the Most High God. Uh, of the Most High is uh, Strong's number 5945. And uh, it's a term that crops up in a very significant citation. It's in verse 27 of Psalm 89, 19 to 29. It's speaking uh, in the context of David, who uh, in this psalm is typifying the Lord Jesus Christ spiritually, and he's being associated with Melchizedek uh, because of the fact that we we find uh, in the, the New Testament, in Hebrews 7, 1, of the Most High is Strong's number 5310, and then uh, in uh, Genesis 14, 18, it's this Hebrew word 5945, and here we have a word bridge. And so we can connect these, this with the one Hebrew word of the Most High God in the New Testament with the Hebrew word in the Old Testament of the Most, the Greek word in the New Testament, I should say, with the Hebrew word uh, of the Most High in the Old Testament. But uh, let's, let's go to Psalm 89, Psalm 89, 19, uh, We read there, that then thou spakest in vision to thy holy one, and saidst, I have laid up 
I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. Mine arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. And I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne is the days of heaven. If you go to verse 27, we uh, read here this uh, same Hebrew term of the Most High, but it's translated in verse 27 of Psalm 89 as higher. But notice what it says, also I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. And we have learned that this term firstborn, we've actually spent uh, quite a bit of time in some of our earlier studies in the series looking at that term. It's Strong's number 1060 in the Hebrew. And of course, it parallels what we find in the New Testament as far as Christ being the firstborn from the dead or the first begotten of the dead. Speaking about his resurrection at the foundation of the world after he made atonement for the elect. So this is a a very uh, important passage for that reason. Now, we also want to go back to Hebrews 7.15. And you you might recall that we began looking at uh, Hebrews uh, uh, 11 and 7.15, and that was sort of the, the catalyst for getting into or looking more closely at Melchizedek to see how he ties into the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Uh, We read there uh, in Hebrews 7 and 11, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron. Uh, Also in uh, verse 15, and it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. And this word ariseth, uh, Strong's number 450 in the Greek, was the, like I said, the catalyst to cause us to want to investigate this uh, business of of Melchizedek and how he relates, you know, to the lamb slain. Uh, In Hebrews 7.15, we find these two terms that after the similitude, 
as I mentioned, uh, that after is 2596, and the similitude is 3665. Both terms only appear one other time, and it's in Hebrews 4.15, and there it's translated, they are translated as like and as, uh, respectively. Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So it's like and then as. Now, this idea of the similitude or, or resemblance to uh, Melchizedek uh, is, is important uh, because of the fact that we understand that he is referred to as the king of Salem, or the king of peace, and God is interpreting that. He's defining his terms. Peace is Strong's number 1515, as well as king of righteousness. And righteousness is Strong's number 1343 in the Greek. And we know that all the right, the, the elect are indeed uh, righteous or clothed with the righteousness of Christ because uh, it was through his righteousness and through the faith of Christ that they became saved. And when we think about peace, we're reminded of that beautiful uh, verse that we hear uh, so much about at Christmas time, Isaiah 9, 6. Let's, let's go there, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, we also uh, find uh, an allusion to uh, the Lord our righteousness uh, in Jeremiah 23, 6. Jeremiah 23, verse 6. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called Jehovah our righteousness. And if we uh, turn to the New Testament in 1 John 2, 1, we see the uh, 1 John 2, 1. Here it's, it's again referred to as one of Christ's name, First uh, John 2, 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, we also understand that Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek uh, in Hebrews 7, verse 2 but also in verse 4 and 6. And normally the people would give tithes to the priest in order for the priesthood to be sustained so they could continue their work. Uh, but here we read that Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And of course, Melchizedek is the priest, is the high priest, just as Christ is the high priest, as we've seen over and over again. He is the very essence of eternal life. And 
coming back to Melchizedek, we read of him, he has no father, he has no mother, he has no descent. Uh, who could this be other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself? For example, as we read in uh, Revelation, or actually Hebrews 13, 8, uh, this uh, beautiful statement there, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Uh, and of course, Abraham is the father of all believers. And, and it's through him, spiritually speaking, that the blessing is, is on the believers because of the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ at the foundation of the world. Uh, this is uh, further emphasized, you know, by the very uh, often quoted phrase, as I mentioned before, after the order of Melchizedek, which we saw tied in uh, so closely to uh, Psalm 110, verse 4. I want to read another uh, passage. This is Hebrews 6, 13 to 20, having to do with this idea of the oath. We know that the oath was first given to the Lord Jesus Christ and then, of course, to Abraham and uh, as God promised to all of the seed. But it's first to the seed with a capital S, as we read in Galatians. And then in the second instance, it's to all of the elect. But this is Hebrews 6, 13 to 20. Hebrews 6, 13 to 20. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, we want to take a closer look at this word oath in this passage, which is Strong's number uh, 3727. Uh, it's found twice in Hebrews 6, 16 to 17, as I just read. But it also surfaces in eight other references. But we'll just consider a few of them for the sake of time. The first one is in Luke 173. Luke 173, we read there, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Again, uh, repeating that, and also in Acts 2.30, which we spent quite a bit of time on uh, in, in some of our earlier studies, having to do with 
with David in the historical context, Acts 2, verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Well, let's go to this next, uh, actually the last word in uh, Hebrews 7, 3, uh, continually. It only emerges in its Strong's number 1336, uh, three other times, and all three of these times are in Hebrews 10, uh, verse 1, verse 12, and verse 14. And what is being underscored uh, in these passages is the eternal nature of both Melchizedek as well as the high priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's his one sacrifice at the foundation of the world that was sufficient to atone for the sins of all the elect. Uh, Let me read Hebrews 7, 3 again. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Uh, This uh, similar usage of this same term continually or forever, uh, we find in uh, Hebrews 10. And of course, we see that God is actually linking these two men together. Uh, it's really the the same person. It, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's uh, then go to Hebrews 10, 1, 12, and 14. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, that's our word, make the comers thereunto perfect. Uh, Then we'll go down to verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, and there there again, this is the same word, uh, 1336, sat down on the right hand of God. Actually, here we have the preposition 1519 and 1336. This is the same with verse 14, also uh, rendered as forever. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified or set apart. Well, I think we'll stop here for today. And uh, Lord willing, uh, in our next study, uh, I'm going to try to wrap up this series. But we want to take a look at one other passage, which is quite interesting. It's verse 20 of Hebrews 10. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. Right now, please stay tuned and we will have our uh, uh, hymn, our hymn sing. <laughs> 